When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Stumps. Yes, welcome to Stumps on a Saturday evening. Darren Parkin here. Terrific to have your company talking all things cricket right around the land. And it's been, it's fair to suggest, an interesting few days. The dust has settled somewhat. A few barbs continuing to be thrown. Dale Stane with some interesting social media work uh, over the course of the last 24 hours. A disastrous uh, Tuesday, a disastrous week for Australia. Beaten in the series, humiliated in the test and no doubt some significant changes to be made. We've heard uh, the voice of Merv Hughes a lot over the, the course of the last week or so on Fox Sports News, a few comments as well. And I guess everybody having uh, an opinion over the uh, the next course of action for the uh, Australian cricket team. But Merv, nice to be uh, back with you. Uh, Dash, always good to have you back on board. I tell you what, you've got a lot to live up to. Uh, Benny did a fantastic job the last week and... Uh, who did we have in last week? Tristan? I think we did have Tristan. Was it Tristan yeah, last week? Was, yeah. He was outstanding too. No, no so I think it was, it was, it was actually me and Hoggy last week. So, it, um, oh, yeah, that's right. I think that last time, last time you were in, it was Tristan. So, so what you're trying yeah. to tell me is I've got to lift my game because Hoggy was very good. Yeah, we're, we're both under pressure. You've, uh, you've been replaced by one quick and, and I've been replaced by uh, another, uh, another host as well. But, uh, yeah, Hoggy, but, yeah. But they always come back to the best, don't they, my friend? Yeah, they always come back. They figured. They figured this week. They, they sat down and thought, "Look, yeah. it's been a it's been a tough week for the Australian cricket team. There's a lot that has to be dissected. So we'll bring back the A team again and just make sure we've got everyone there to, to pull it apart." But on that, I mean, just starting off, Rodney Hogg made some interesting comments on um, Greg Chappell's appointment uh, to oversee the selection role with Trevor Hones with Rodney Marsh stepping down, and uh, Rodney Hogg not a fan of that decision. At all. How do you see it with them going back to the well, I guess, with, with guys that have done the job before? Well, I was hoping they'd go back to the well, but a different well. Yeah, a different well. I, was, I had my phone turned on. I was waiting for the phone call, but unfortunately <laughs> didn't get it. Um, I, I think we're in a, a pretty fortunate position that we've got Trevor Holmes on, on the selection panel. Rod Marsh steps down. There was a lot of conjecture and talk over um, him not looking to renew his contract in June, July when it ran out. And a lot of media outlets have said, well, there shouldn't be an interim period. If he's not going to go on, he should step aside now. So he stepped aside. Uh, Trevor Holmes has done mm-hmm. the job before, so it's, it's, it's not going to overwhelm him, and he's not going to be daunted by the task. And for Greg Chappell to come on in the interim, I think it's um, a pretty good idea. And the, the reason I think it's a good idea is because he's still got his finger on the pulse. He, he's a development manager. He watches a lot of cricket. He knows what's going on. So I, I really haven't got too many uh, problems with that. But um, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see who they can get on board because Ricky Ponting's come out. Mm-hmm. And just said mm. that um, you know the 
the wage has to be upped a little bit. Now, for the guys that are, are commentating, everyone stays involved in different ways. We're seeing Paul Rifle go down the umpiring track. Uh, David Boone is a, is a match referee for the ICC. Some guys go into the, the broadcasting, um, and, and Ricky and Mark War and Gilly and Flem have gone into Channel 10. They're doing a fantastic job on the Big Bash. So if... If, the, if Cricket Australia need to get them on board, they would have to pay them a little bit more. So all they've got to do is entice them out of the commentary box. Um, and for, for them, it's an, an eight-week stint. I would imagine they're on pretty good money um, to come on board and you know travel again, be away from your family, be involved with selection. Um, and it's mostly, mostly watching first-class cricket and then to do a couple of international tours, um, it's, it's basically like, like playing again. So I can understand Ricky Ponting's concern with that, but if Cricket Australia want to entice these guys out, they've got to pay a little bit more. Dash, me on the other hand, hmm. I'm not doing much at all. So if you give me a call, I'm happy to jump back on board. I was going to say, uh, d- does he have a point though, Punter, in that um, you know these lucrative media contracts are too appealing in the sense that it's, uh, it is very difficult to get the best minds back in cricket. We, we heard Shane Warne volunteer essentially to coach the 2020 team, but that has been met with some resistance in regards to coaching courses, etc. But it, is it difficult now? Um, yeah, I think it is. Um, the guys that probably would make um, great, great... Mark, Mark War is mm-hmm. um, a selector, and, and he's on the Channel 10. And, and like I said, that takes up about eight weeks, but it's pretty gruelling stuff. If you wanted to get Ricky Ponning, Gilchrist out, they've got... What people have got to understand, they've got things outside mm-hmm. that Channel 10. So you've got to make it financially um, worthwhile for them to give up what they're doing to jump back on board. Mark Taylor, Ian Healy, um, even Michael Clark. I suppose, in the Channel 9 commentary box, they'd be on a fair whack there. So you have to say, listen, um, this is what we're going to pay you. And for, for a commentator, it's game to game. It's mm-hmm. five days of a test match. It's one day of a, of a one-dayer. Um, it's not the training. It's not the build-up. It's not watching state cricket, understanding who's going well, understanding who's going to replace who. Um, it's just turning up to the game, giving a bit of a preview of the game and commentating on that game and going from game to game. But if you're involved as a, as a coach or a selector, um, you have to be around um, a lot more than that. And I, I, I don't blame the guys for going into to commentary. Mm. Um, but gee, it's, it's going to take a fair whack to get them back out of it. We are going to pull uh, the Shield games apart as well. We've got three live uh, Shield matches. Uh, Merv, happy that the Bush Rangers are routing uh, New South Wales at the moment. Uh, New now South Dash, Wales listeners perhaps not so much. Dash, yeah. Dash, did you say three live games? Three live um, games. They seem to be three pretty one-sided games, don't they, almost? But, yeah. Um, in, yeah, so Victoria, New South Wales, Victoria, six for 510, and Hanscom's done no damages to, to him stating his claim for Australian selection, 215. Travis Dean, 134, and Cameron White just keeps on keeping mm. on 75, not out. New South Wales, all out 275, uh, 225, sorry. Um, both Smith and Warner uh, missed out, but you think that their spots in the test side would um, be pretty safe. Pat Patterson, mm-hmm. on the other hand, made 55, so you know he's he's throwing his name up uh, for Victoria. Tremaine four for two, 22, uh, bowl and three for 51. So good signs for them. Victoria decided to bat again, mm-hmm. two for 88 with Harris 54 not out, um, and he he's been in pretty good. He has. Too, yeah. So if if they're thinking about replacing Joe Burns, you've got uh, Travis Dean, you've got um, Harris that are, are in pretty good form for the Vicks. Queensland, South Australia. Queensland, big score. 
off the back of um, Renshaw and Kawaja, 108 and 106 respectively. Um, seven for 475. Chad Sayers in with the chance of the Australian side. None for 79 off 24 overs. Zampa, four for 140. A lot of runs there, but four wickets I think would please uh, the Australian selectors. So seven for 4.75. South Australia all out, 258. Um, Carey, 76. Ferguson out for four. Head, 37. And Lehman, seven. And they're three blokes that their names may be in the mix for, for the next test. I'd be very disappointed for Ferg if he got dropped from the test. Yeah, agreed. Um, he hasn't yeah. performed there. Feldman, three for 56, just keeps on going, doesn't he? He's, he's been a fantastic bowler for, for Queensland. And who's the bloke that got three for 37? Uh, that was George, Peter George, George formerly a yeah. South Australian. Quick played for Australia. Really? Yeah. Is that... Oh, I didn't realise it was it's the that, same Peter I, George. I think it's the same Peter George. Are you sure? I, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought. He'd be older than me now, but three for 37, Georgie. Not, uh, not, not that George, the other one that, one that played, uh, yeah, yeah. played in India not, in about 2009. Yeah, not, not Shane George, Peter no. George. Tall, yes. lanky. Yeah, no. that's right. Yeah. I think that's uh, him, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think it was. I thought he gave it away. But I may be wrong. I've been wrong before, and you've been right, and that's why you've been getting the votes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Queensland, second innings, seven for 228. Uh, Renshaw, 50. Heslett, 63. And Sayers, two for 43. Uh, interesting to note, Burns, four and two. Yeah. LBW in the second innings for Sayers. Caught down the leg side in the first innings for four. Like that test dismissal, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's mm. going to be uh, a, a tough tough one for, for mm-hmm. South Australia to get back into that. Um, West Australia, Tasmania, there is cricket everywhere. West Australia, after being four for 57, and, and as you pointed out, yeah. I, I won't take the claim for this, five for 57 because um, Voges was it. Now, if he's concussed, can't they replace him? No, not in the game. I thought they could replace it in the game. We'll have That'd a look at that. Concussion rule. I'll have a look at that on yeah, the scorecard. Four for fifty-seven. Um, got got their way to two sixty-two thanks to Turner, one hundred and ten, and Whiteman fifty-four. Bird got two for sixty. Tazzy off the back of Doolan, two hundred and two. Retired hurt, delayed concussion. Mm. Um, and let's not forget, Doolan was in the Australian side a couple of years ago and did reasonably well. So um, that wouldn't have done his chances any harm. Uh, Tassie 402, WA 4 for 77 in their second inning. So uh, across the board, plenty of creek going on. Pakistan, New Zealand. My God, India, England. Dash, it's <laughs> all happening. It is everywhere. We'll head to those you... venues shortly. We do yep. have to get to a break. We've got former Australian captain Graham Yellow after this. Uh, we'll also head to all three Shield venues. We'll hear from Dean Elgar as well, South African opening batsman, later in the program. You are listening to Stumps. You can get involved as well on the Kookaburra Cricket open line. Kookaburra Cricket, if it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. That's one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. 2355 48 Graham Yellop next. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. Yes, you are. Great to have your company on Stumps. We're here for uh, Kookaburra Cricket. If it ain't a cooker, it ain't, a, if it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. Merv Hughes with me, Darren Parkin. And we're joined on the line by former Australian captain and one of Victoria's finest in Graham Yellop to discuss what's been a pretty ordinary couple of weeks for the Australian team, it must be said. Graham, thanks for your time. 
It's a pleasure, Darren. Nice to have you on the show before I hand you over to Merv. What have you, you made of it? Obviously, uh, yourself and, and Merv at, at times played through some, some difficult and some good times in cricket. This does seem, obviously, like a, uh, a real period of transition for the national team. Well, I suppose you've got to look at what direction the Australian Cricket Board want to take us in cricket. But uh, what I'm concerned about is that uh, maybe uh, they want to take us in the wrong direction to test cricket. In other words, they want to focus on 2020. Now, that's all good and well. And if they don't want to play test cricket, well, let's just coach the boys playing 2020. You know, it's just uh, it's just insane to play three types of games and they're not um, trained for a test cricket. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Now, uh, can I call you Wally on this show, Mr Yallop? Uh, oh, good, Hilly. <laughs> How are you, mate? Now, you, you, you took over the captaincy at a tough time um, just after the World Series. We lost a lot of players to there. The pressure you must have felt not having the best players in Australia around. And it's, oh, I suppose you get have a little mm. bit of sympathy for Steve Smith with the retirements of Clark, Watson, Rogers, Haddon, Johnson, Harris, which is 375 test matches, 20,000 test runs, over 500 <laughs> test wickets. Yeah. So when, you, when you say it like that, there has been a bit of a gap in the last 12 to 18 months. How did you cope as captain with a, a yeah. young side and, and an inexperienced side finding their way? Oh, look, you know, I was the most experienced player and I'd only played eight test matches. And, uh, you know, most of the guys were playing their first test. So maybe it was a little bit different then. But, um, you know, I can certainly sympathise with Smith uh, that uh, you know he doesn't have the strongest team, but uh, look, you've got to work through it. And from what I've seen, is that they're not training correctly, and they're not putting an emphasis on or enough emphasis on shield cricket. It's an interesting one that you say that too. Is that we had a lead up to a Red Bull Test match. We had a a day night Pink Ball Sheffield Shield match. The next Test match is a Pink Ball day night game, and the boys are playing now a day Red Ball Sheffield Shield match. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. If you're going to, I mean, most of the other Test playing nations have put the the 2020 game in one little pocket of in the calendar. And uh, they get it over and done with, and then they concentrate on the real game, which is Test cricket. And uh, look, it's uh, it's look, 2020 is here for a while. Let's make no mistake about it. But what uh, what we're really seeing is they're not being prepared enough to play the the game of Test cricket. And uh, when you and I played Merv, um, we had to play either a Shield game. When we're playing a Shield game, and if we weren't playing a Shield game, we were playing club cricket. Now these guys today don't seem to be able to, to do that. They don't play club cricket. They hardly play shield cricket. So, you know, you, you don't get the grounding and the proper preparation for the game. Well, that, that's an interesting one that you say that. Now, Peter Hanscom's made 216 against New South Wales and with note that um, Stark and Hazelwood haven't played and Lyon haven't played. So how much are those yeah. runs really worth? And Peter Hanscom's probably going to be very, very hard... Well, he's going to be looked at very um, closely for selection for the next Test match. Not mm. really the greatest yep. preparation when he's playing against... A, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Peter Hanscom. He's, in, he's been in fantastic form, but it just doesn't harden you to play at that next level. Um, look, it is a big jump for the next level, but I think he's a shining light. And, and we just don't... To me, we don't have the depth. We're not getting the players through... At, uh, at senior club level who are making runs. And uh, when you look at the fixtures that played 
Premier Cricket at the moment, the next four games of Premier Cricket, or that's the top club cricket in Melbourne, is they're playing 2020s for points. Now, then they've got to go back to two-day cricket. So it's, it's a bit of a jump for them, and the emphasis is on hitting the ball as hard as you can, as high as you can, as far as you can. Now, that doesn't what? constitute a decent technique. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But I think um, to Australia's defence, too, is that they've become a very good team at scoring at a rapid rate. And it keeps them in games, and sometimes yep. it knocks them out of games. And um, as, a, as a supporter, we go to Australia and we expect 300, 320, 350 uh, runs scored in a day. So to enable yep. Australia to do that, the batsmen have to play shots. But on the first mm. day of a test match where the ball's doing a bit, the other side of the, the coin to that is if you play your shots and you don't get it right, you get bowled out for 80. Absolutely, particularly if the ball's moving around. And if uh, we're only playing one-day cricket or 20-20 cricket when they make flat wickets, ball doesn't bounce, all you've got to have is a really good eye and hit the ball pretty hard. So they, they, you know, some of the guys just don't have the technique or, as I said, the preparation, which is sad. Well, the technique is one that uh, you look at and uh, the gap between bat and pad and head over the ball when you hit it and wait for the ball and play it under your nose and the, the old dead bat seems to have gone out the window. Um, and they're yep. things that really shouldn't be forgotten from Test cricket. But ha- having said that, um, to watch the Australians when they do well, Davey Warner, Steve Smith, Kawaja, the players that have been in and around the system for a while, when they do get mm. going, it's fantastic. But when they get out, it just looks miserable, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty tough at the top of the order there. So if you haven't had that much experience at the top of the order and coming into a, a game against some very experienced Test players i.e. South Africa and England and, and a couple of the others, even Pakistan, we might see some fireworks from them this year. So, yeah, look, it's a tough, it's a tough grind, but, um, you know, you can't, to me, you can't blame the players themselves. They're, they can only play to the best of their ability and to the most experience that they've had. So, really, do we look at um, the direction of, of cricket in this country? What is the direction? As a coach, and Merv knows that uh, you know, I'm coaching basically every day, that what direction do I take the players? And I do a lot of coaching of the coaches as well. So what direction do I tell the coaches to go in in regard to preparation of players now? Graham, uh, it's uh, just before we uh, wrap things up, it has been great to uh, to get your, your thoughts on the program. We are heading towards a, uh, a break, but uh, hopefully we can speak with you again soon and be really uh, interested to pull uh, pull apart your thoughts when it comes to the coaching side of the game. But we uh, we thank you very much for joining us. That's a pleasure, guys. Graham Yellop joining us there. As we head to a break, a reminder about our uh, Facebook competition that we're running, uh, Stumps on Facebook. Check that one out, facebook.com forward slash stumps, where Merv Hughes uh, picking his uh, greatest Test eleven since the 80s, so basically during his time in the game. And at the moment, we are looking at the middle order, uh, position number five specifically. We've got Matthew Hayden and Mark Taylor as the openers, Ricky Ponting at three, Michael Clark at four. And Merv, you're thinking AB at, at five, but we've got the likes of Mike Hussey and Kim Hughes in the mix for that position as well. well. Yeah, you don't want to give away what I think. I, I think that uh, everyone knows what I'd think. Mm-hmm. Alan Border. Yeah, absolutely. Five. Mate, love him. He's great. Yeah. It'd be hard to go past that. <laughs> uh, we'll be looking... Yeah, now, yep. uh, before, so I was going to say, of Graham Yellop, yep. um, he was he was captain when I first got into the Victorian side. He was in and out of the Australian side. More on um, that in a moment, Merv. We're just running okay. out of time. We'll get that thought no next. Worries. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight on the roof. 
Cool pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! Welcome to Stumps. Yes, welcome back to Stumps. Great to have your company here, Darren Parkin, with Merv Hughes, 53 tests, 212 wickets for Australia. A man who would be somewhat pleased that Peter Siddle's broken down on 211 test wickets. Oh, and don't be like that. Therefore, won't, uh, therefore won't pass you at least for a little while. So. Don't put those words into my mouth. Peter Siddle, I love him. He's got a big heart. He has to go. <laughs> Non-drinking vegetarian. He's got his concerns. Yeah, that but, doesn't sit well with you. Uh, no. As I was about to say before, I was rudely interrupted by that break we needed to take. Yes, that's right. Uh, to uh, welcome Graham, our South Australian listeners. Yeah, well, Graham, Graham Yallop mm-hmm. um, was, was my captain when I first got into Victoria. Mm-hmm. Team. And what a fantastic captain he was for, for a young bloke. He was captain of Australia. I got in the side and he was fantastic for me. Um, and, and probably my fondest memory of Graham was at a... We played our games down at then Cadinia Park down mm-hmm. in Geelong. Um, I think we are playing against Queensland, I'm not sure. But at a tea break, I'm not sure what day it was. Must have been second or third day. I went to tea at... Must have been third day. Four for 198. Graham, mm-hmm. was, or Graham was already out. Um, I was yet to bat. We walked in, and you should have seen this spread that they put on down at Geelong. There were cream cakes. There were chocolate eclairs. There were donuts. There, there was everything. And uh, Graham Yelp turned to me and said, I bet I can eat more donuts than you. <laughs> and uh, you were still to bat. And, uh, but long way from it. Mm. I said, yeah, good luck, champ. You're on. Suffice to say... Graham Yallop got duly beaten. <laughs> I can't imagine that's a fight too many people would engage in all that often. But credit to Graham. In, in a tough era for the Australian yeah. cricket team, he averaged 42 with the bat You know, in a difficult time. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine there'd be too many people putting their hand up to an out-eat uh, out move in a donut competition. Right. But the, the thing, and, and that's what we're saying about, well, that's what I'm saying about Steve Smith now, is that he's had a lot of... Uh, players leave the team, so he has to build a new team. And, and Graham Yallop virtually came in as captain after World Series cr- cricket and had to, to to build a team from scratch, as did Alan Border um, after the, the South African tour. So um, you, you feel for those blokes, and, and I can feel for Steve Smith. And the great thing about Steve Smith, he, he's not making any excuses. He's sitting down, he's summing up the situation, and ultimately, yes, we're not playing that well. South Africa are playing really good cricket but we need these guys to have a little bit of time to adjust to test cricket um, and, and just find their feet so let's let's not uh, uh, if there's wholesale changes um, in the next test match with which a lot of people mm. are calling for um, I'd be I'd be surprised number one uh, and I'd be um, very disappointed because blokes like Meany blokes like um, like Callum Ferguson that played their first test mate Callum Ferguson he failed, yes, but so did everyone else. So yeah. it's going to be a harsh call if he doesn't play another test match. And Voge is injured. Maybe Colin Ferguson steps up to five. Uh, Mitch Marsh comes back in, and, and people will be shaking their heads. But you need that bowling option, I reckon. Um, you know, Hanscom's a, a chance. They, they might put him in because they've moved away from that, that bowling option. Um, and I, I suppose if they bring Mitch Marsh back in straight away, um, the selectors are, are actually saying, well, we made a mistake, and mm. as a selector, you don't want to do that. So, listen, Pete Hampskin's a chance, Dean's a chance. Um, you know, Usman Kawaja off 100, he's going to keep his spot. You'd reckon, as we said, Warner and, and Smith would be um, safe, but the guys that had their chances... Yeah. To, like Burns, I reckon, is under the pump. Definitely. Um, yeah. But the, the South Australian boys... Um, head, 
Um, Lee, uh, Lehman. Lehman. Yeah. Um, Dean. Uh, uh, um, obviously, Cooper would potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah Cooper. Yeah. But, but Ferg himself. Yeah. Um, Ferg missed out in Brisbane, but we know what a fantastic player he is. So, mate, I, I would give him another go. And because of his age, 32, he's been on the verge before. He's got injured, and every time he's got close, he's got injured. But I would give him another go because virtually as a 32-year-old, if you pick him for one test and then move away from him, you're saying probably that's the last opportunity. And for Ferg, mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't do that. He's a, he's a better player than that and deserves another go, as, as does Joe Meany. Um, one for, while, while Stark mm. got some wickets, while Hazel got some wickets, his first test match, off the back of 56 test, uh, shield wickets last year, sorry, um, you know, he, he got a spot. Now, it could have been him or Sayers, and I reckon they would have gone for me because he's up over the top. He's a little bit taller and maybe a little bit quicker, and they thought that would have um, suited test cricket. So it'd be a tough call to, to drop him as well. So it'd be interesting to see um, what the selectors are going to do. Absolutely it is, and, and we'll have a bit of a chat around the shield racks shortly, uh, game to game, and see who's in the mix, who's banging down the door. But for Sportsbet, Sportsbet's racing form pack with all new features for spring, of course, Gamble responsibly, animated speed maps, uh, runner comments, and expert tips, uh, courtesy of Best Bets. Uh, Gamble responsibly. We're joined by Christian Jansen, who's had a busy day covering all of the action at Ballarat and uh, the surrounds as well. Uh, Christian, thanks for your time. Yeah, good day, fellas. Uh, good to talk to you. I was just listening to Merv about his donut story. We've got a market. Merv Hughes, a dollar one most donuts versus rest of the world. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I tell you, I tell you what, that's not short enough. <laughs> it's not sure you've got to be shorter than that uh, now Chris with that um, odds for the, the third test now it's uh, the Aussies are, are taking a bit of a battering in the first two and um, we had them as fir- firm favourites did you take a bit of a whack over that yeah we certainly did we couldn't make Australia favourites again so uh, we've got them 285 we're giving you a, a decent price there but South Africa they have to be $2 don't they they deserve favouritism the draw at $4.75, I suppose uh, the pink ball will probably put uh, pay to that. You would think we've got no money on it. Uh, it tends to give a result, doesn't it, from what we've seen so far? Yeah, without doubt. Now, uh, most runs and most wickets in the game or per innings? Yeah, well, bear in mind, we don't know the team, so we've got all the players listed from the second test for both sides up there. But if, if you back someone and they don't play, of course, you get your money back. And as we get the teams uh, in, we will add to the players. But... Top run scorer first innings for the Aussies, Steve Smith and Warner, 375. Usman Kawaja, he looks in good touch, doesn't he? Uh, $4. Yes. And uh, poor old Joe Burns uh, at 650. And uh, it's pretty obvious Adam Boges isn't going to play, but he's at $8 alongside Callum Ferguson. Uh, for the South Africans, Amla, 433. We'll see if Fafti Plessis plays. He's at $5.50. And in the bowling ranks, you can bet on who'll get the most wickets in the first innings. Stark, 270. Hazel with $3. Uh, and Rabada at 3.50 with Philander for the Proteus. Now, we've got the, the Pakistan series coming up. Have you got a market on that yet? No, that's not up yet, but uh, you can bet live on the New Zealand-Pakistan mm. uh, test as it, as it uh, progresses. Of course, the Kiwis are home there. And India versus England as well. We've got India at $1.12. Uh, the Poms, poor old Poms, at 31 bucks and all sorts. Oh, do you get much, right, um, do you get much interest in advance on things like the Big Bash uh, this far out? Yeah, the Big Bash, uh, well, it's obviously a very big rating thing, but mm. betting-wise, it is massive. You know, each mm. game in the Big Bash uh, gets uh, more money than your average NRL or AFL game, would you believe, which is quite extraordinary. I can't believe that happens. Uh, but we haven't seen much money. So far, the market hasn't changed. Uh, we've got the Perth Scorchers at $5.50, 2 
to win, uh, so they must have uh, done some good recruiting. They're alongside last year's winners, Sydney Thunder, 550. Melbourne Stars, they're always rated, aren't they, in the, in the bookies' eyes, 650. The Renegades and Strikers at 7. Heat, 750. Sydney, 6 at 750. And the Hobart Hurricanes... They're $8 outsiders, but we saw the Thunder win. They were the outsiders before last year's Big Bash kicked off. They very much were. Uh, listen, the Victorian, from a Victorian point of view, uh, the, the Vicks are doing very well. Have you got a market for the Sheffield Shield? Yeah, the Sheffield Shield down until we get to the next round of matches. But uh, uh, don't worry, the Vicks, uh, they were piling on the runs, weren't they, against mm. the Blues they were. Uh, the other day at the SCG. So they're in a good spot. We'll have those up uh, in the next couple of days, you would imagine. And uh, how'd you go with the races today, Christian, before we let you go with um, a bit of an upset in the Ballarat Cup? Yeah, it was an upset, but gee, it was, uh, it was so wide open. It was mm. $7.50 to field. So Pillot to say paid $16. Well done if you got that. But it wasn't a day for favourites. In fact, we've got one race to go. Of the nine races, uh, only two favourites have won, and one was an equal favourite. So uh, the punters, uh, they, they haven't really gone too well today, are I don't want to have a smile on my face because I'm a putter myself as well. So while I've got a sports bet hat on, I'm also sitting here having a few sneaky bets in between races. And uh, not going so well, boys. No, likewise. Uh, Christian, thank you very much for your time as always. Thanks very much, guys. Christian, Thanks, Christian. Jansen there for sports bet, uh, sports bet uh, racing. Uh, form packed with all new features for spring gamble responsibly. If you'd like to get involved uh, with us, you can on the uh, Kookaburra Cricket Open Line one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. Whether the red, pink, or white, uh, the Cooker is a choice for cricketers across Australia and the world. And remember, if it ain't a Cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. Just before we uh, take a break, we'll chat to Ben Dorries in the Courier Mail after this break about the Queensland South Australia Shield game, where uh, we haven't seen, unfortunately, the likes of. Lehman and, and Ferguson making runs. We have seen Kawaja and a young opener by the name of Renshaw make runs for the Bulls, so we'll have a chat about that shortly. What changes would you make, Merv, if you had the selection hat on? So you're advocating that, and I agree that I hope they give Ferguson another go. You think Voges would struggle to come up with that concussion and may have been dropped anyway. Your thoughts on the Nathan Lyon debate? A lot of people suggesting that O'Keefe and Holland almost a bowl off to take his spot. Well, it'll be interesting if Holland or O'Keefe play, or even Zampa, who took four wickets, he may come into the mix. And with it, if it had been a day game, it might have been a prospect that Lyon moves out, O'Keefe or Holland comes in, and they play Maxwell at number six. So you've got that off-spinning option, and, and you've got your batting there. So um, very hard to imagine that Maxwell and Lyon would play in the same eleven. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see which way they go then. I reckon there's a question mark over Joe Burns, uh, but the big question that I want answered is, if not Joe Burns, who? Um, Peter Hanskin's been uh, been fantastic, got 200, but he doesn't open for, for Victoria. Um, he he mm. bats in the top order, obviously, but uh, doesn't open. The other question would be Voges. Um, so what, what about Doolan? He can open the batting. Yeah, just Dolan. made a double hundred. If he comes up from that concussion, where he uh, it was a delayed concussion, <laughs> yeah, he got uh, delayed. yeah he got struck late in the day, and then uh, woke up, I guess, feeling a bit groggy the following day, and, and wasn't able to bat. Yeah, delayed concussion. I think you, you need about a week um, if you have concussion to to get through. So I dare say that may, may rule him out, which is unlucky for him. But you know, if Hanson comes in, he, he might take that number five or six spot. So Ferg. Moves up to, to number five. Hanscom slips in at number six and they go um, without a bowling option. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But um, selectors had on, like I said, very, very hard to, to drop Ferg, very, very hard to drop um, Joe Meany. So uh, we'll just have to have to wait and see. Now, around the grounds, I've got some scores for you. You do? Can I pump them out now? You can. Um, listen, Pegs boys, their last game before Christmas had a fantastic win. Um, chasing 238, and of that, there was 41 um, wides. So I don't know who their bowling coach is down there, but we've got to look at that. But um, off the back of um, Singer, who was 84 not out last time I heard, uh, got got past uh, the opposition and won by four wickets. Um, we're talking about the, the Kookaburra um, partnership now with, uh, with Stumps, and Lee Watts from Kookaburra, Kookaburra will be a very happy man. Um, they they beat Footscray Edgewater by seven wickets in in the seniors. Still a, a bit of a game on in the seconds. Um, Footscray Edgewater eight for two sixty three, chasing two ninety. Uh, the thirds three for one fifty off sixty two overs. Have twenty overs to get one hundred and forty runs with wickets in hand. So it'll be interesting to see what's happening there. Grub forty six not out, and our fourths um, one against um, obviously Fitzroy Doncaster, mm-hmm. uh, chasing about one hundred and ninety. Uh, Patel, 100 not out, and uh, listen, the Footscray boys had a, a very good win in the fourth. So around the grounds from Footscray Edgewater Creek Club and Pegs, very happy with the Pegs outcome. Going along very nicely. We'll get to a break. Queensland will be uh, pleased with their progress. If you can declare twice in a game, you're going uh, along quite nicely. So they've got South Australia under the pump. Ben Dorries will join us to wrap that game and who's playing well and who just might be able to push their way in to the test team Renshaw. coming up on Thursday. Renshaw being one and Joe Burns would have been uh, looking over over his shoulder. More to come. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Great to have your company once again. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes right around South Australia and New South Wales. Merv did a fair bit to say over the uh, the course of the the week and keen to get his thoughts as well on a number of those uh, selection issues. But we're going to head to Queensland first because they would have been hoping for perhaps some clarity on selection issues and a couple of concerns on both fronts, it's fair to say. And Ben Dorries joins us, regular correspondent up in uh, Queensland to discuss that match. Ben, thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem at all, guys. Uh, interesting times up here. Um, test batsman Joe Burns and Callum mm. Ferguson, the Queenslander and the South Australia, both failed in both innings up here. So uh, I've got to say, not exactly what Australia needed on that front. I think Joe Burns' test spot is gone. Uh, Callum Ferguson, I'm not sure of, uh, but I'm sure the selectors would have loved to have seen him uh, make some runs up here. He didn't. Uh, but I'll tell you what's come out of this game, guys. As a young kid... Uh, Matt Renshaw, mm. uh, big strapping left-hander, reminds me a little bit uh, the way he bats, or not so much the way he bats, but he stands at the crease of uh, Matthew Hayden, another big left-hander. Uh, Matt Renshaw scored 100 in the first dig up here, um, lovely 50 in the second dig. He's only played 12 first-class games. Now, now, a kid who'd only played 12 first-class games at age 20 would normally be three or four seasons away from playing for Australia, wouldn't he, at least. Uh, but given the start of Australian cricket at the moment, um, this kid is in red-hot form, and with Joe Burns right out of form, I'd suggest he's some chance. Now, Ben, it's it's interesting we're talking about the, the negatives that, that's happened, and uh, as you said, for Ferg, for, for uh, Joe Burns, uh, disappointing, out caught down the leg side again in the first innings, but the positive out of the game, the big positive for the Australian selectors would have been Kawaja, 
um, with 106. And uh, I suppose to a certain degree, Zampa got four wickets, but um, took a bit of punishment along the way. Yeah, absolutely. With the first one, Merv, I've got to say, Usman Kawaji looked terrific uh, in the first innings. Uh, came to the crease, didn't have a worry in the world. Uh, made the bowlers look silly, really. Like, he's just in sparkling touch. And even in the second, he didn't get many runs uh, there today, uh, but looked good at the crease again. So he, he's really locked away his test spot, if there was any, ever any doubt of that, which there probably wasn't. Uh, anyway, he does look in terrific uh, touch. Yeah, and Zampa uh, took some wickets, but I've got to say... Um, not the most impressive bowling I've, I've seen from a spinner. Did get thumped around a bit. Was pretty wayward. And the wickets he got were sort of, you know, late-order wickets with blokes holding out in the boundary and, and playing big shots and that sort of stuff. So, look, sure, he took a few wickets. But I think uh, certainly in the, in the you know, this season, I think, uh, you know, Australia will be looking at him for his 2020 stuff uh, and hoping someday he just tightens up a bit and they can get him in the longer-form stuff as well. But we're not quite ready for that, Merv, I'd suggest at the moment. Yeah, we've, caught, we've crossed off the, the batsman and the spin bowlers. Chad says we've got South Australia listeners listening at the moment. Um, how was his performance throughout the game? Because he was uh, one that was seen to be a little bit unlucky. It was either him or Joe Meany in that last Test match. Um, so how was Chad Sayers' performance this game? Yeah, I've got to say, I don't think his stock's particularly rose this game, Merv, but they didn't fall either. I thought he bowled well. Um, like he was sort of solid, but oh, I guess unspectacular. Um, like he took a couple of wickets uh, in, in both digs there, swung the ball around a bit, but didn't pose any any sort of huge threat, which you, you probably would have liked to have seen uh, from a swing bowler, you know, at the Gabba, bowling in pretty favourable conditions a lot of the time. So, look, but having said that, he, he kept his head up, kept charging in, um, you know, and certainly the batsman didn't get after him. So, yeah, nice, solid performance without really being an eye-catcher. And I'll tell you who keeps on go- keeps on keeping on for Queensland is Feldman, three for 56 in the, in the first innings. Um, would they be thinking about a bloke like him? He's up over the top, he's big, tall, he hits a wicket hard. Um, where do you see his chances? Yeah, well, he's an interesting one, Merv. He's a bit of a oh, journeyman's the wrong word because he's only ever played for Queensland. But he's a he's a he's a real character. He, he's a policeman, uh, a serving policeman, if you don't mind, away from the from the cricket field. He, he goes to the rest blokes, so he's um he's certainly got a bit about him. He's the he's the son of Bill Feldman, who was a, a former One Nation leader up here in Queensland. So he's certainly got an interesting background. Uh, but he's really um he's got a spark about him on the field. Like he, he just uh, you know he. he he doesn't hold back. He just really gets into the batsman, and he's always at them, sort of in their face. A bowler, I reckon you'd love him. <laughs> just that, just that sort of style. So look, yeah, probably I wouldn't be talking about him in Australian terms, but yeah, like he, he is certainly uh, bowling well for Queensland, and certainly flourishes bowling at the Gabba. Um, now the next question I've got: I haven't had an update of the scores for a little while. What's the scores? Going? How's the South Australia going in their second innings? Yeah, I'll just duck back into the media box and tell you guys. Two, two, for, two for 45 at, at last at last Yeah, they're, they're, they're two, for, two for 51, yep. and they're chasing 446. And they've already That's lost uh, Kel, Kellum Ferguson and one of their openers, guys. So, look, I've got to say, still um, some big moments ahead to the South Australians here. Travis Head, uh, he's been murdered in Australian circles without the crease, and Jake Lehman is still the back. Yeah. Of course, uh, Buff, Buff Lehman's son uh, didn't get many runs in the first innings there, uh, but everyone's keen to see him bat again. But it's interesting with Head, Lehman, Cooper still to come. Um, you, you say 400, it rolls off the tongue and it sounds like a big target. But um, if, if two of those guys get going, it, it might be tough work for Queensland. Yeah, I think it will. Look, I, I, 
don't see South Australia winning this game. I mean, history sort of tells you here that at times you see these big run chases at the Gabba and, and sides are sort of three for 200 and you think, oh, gee, they're, they're a sneaky chance. But history sort of tells you that those sort of huge run chases, they very, very rarely get overhauled. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these guys have got a bit to play for, the Travis Heads and the, and the Jake Lemans, apart from obviously trying to win this game for their state. I mean, people are looking at them, you know, all around Australia to see what they can do. So, look... Uh, I'd certainly be on Queensland from here, but you're right, they won't have it uh, all their own way. And they haven't really taken a frontline spinner uh, into this game either, Queensland. They've got Jason Flores who can sort of hold up an end, uh, but they haven't got a spinner really, a frontline spinner to call on. So uh, they'll have to uh, have to just bash and barge their way through, through the South Australians with their quick bowlers. Well, uh, Ben, uh, it's been an interesting couple of days. I mean, as we said before, if a, if a side can declare twice, then they're obviously going pretty well uh, in a contest. Queensland have been in command. We uh, appreciate your time on the program. Yeah, no worries. And, geez, it's a fascinating era in Australian career, guys. I, talk, I'm, I find myself in the weird position of talking up a 20-year-old Queensland yeah. owner who's only played 12 <laughs> games. I never normally do that, but it's that sort of funky era of Australian cricket where you know, anyone who's informed is almost a chance, aren't they? So, yeah, it, it's... Uh, a- it's almost like, uh, obviously, we had back in the day guys like uh, Divinudo, Jimmy Ma, Martin Love, uh, Stuart Law, and then around the, uh, the other parts, Darren Lehman at times, Jamie Siddons, uh, Brad Hodge, that couldn't get test games uh, despite mountains of runs. Mike Hussey, it took him the best part of a decade. But as you say, now opportunities for everyone. Uh, and Pete Hanscom may have played innings at exactly the right time. We'll wrap that match uh, very, very shortly. But... Uh, Move on that. I mean, Burns makes uh, one and a duck in the test and then makes four and one in the Shield game. And then Ferguson makes three and one in the test and then four and four in the, uh, in the, t- in the uh, Shield game. But you'd sense that uh, he might be given more of an opportunity, whereas they have gone to the well with Joe Burns a couple of times before. Um, yeah, they have. And, and like I said before, the, the question you've got to ask, if not Joe Burns, then who? And uh, Renshaw's putting his hand up to open and, and made runs at the right time. Travis Dean had a fa- fantastic year last year, um, and he's, he's peeled off 130. Uh, Hanscom could fit into that 5-6 um, bracket, but I doubt that if he's not opening for um, his state, they'll, they'll look at him to open for Australia. But uh, certainly I reckon there's a, a couple of spots up there for grabs. Definitely. Uh, before we get to a break, uh, is it simply a case now in, in your mind that, that Peter Hanscom has 100% locked himself in? Would you say there's any chance no. that he misses? Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to... I'd like to be You're not a selector anymore, selectors, so you can... Selectors <laughs> meeting. Um, I, I would say that he's made rights at the uh, runs at the right time, rights at the runs time. Um, I would say <laughs> he's made runs at the right time, but um, has he done enough? And that's what we're talking about. They, they've mm. got to be banging the door down. And certainly um, Hanscom's been in, in pretty good form. I think he's got uh, one other 100 this year, maybe possibly two. He's got a big 200. And, and it's what they want at that number five, six spot. So if, if they're looking for a non-bowling option to go in there, he could well fit in. But if they're looking for a bowling option because he doesn't bowl, it, it's going to work against him. That's almost like Shane Warne the other day saying tag the whale instead of uh, wag the tail on uh, Channel 9. <laughs> Merv's Greatest Test 11 since the 80s is available on Facebook for you to vote on. Facebook.com forward slash stumps. Check that out. 
And we're asking who bats at number five. You've got the likes of uh, Kim Hughes. Uh, Mike Hussey is getting a lot of votes on Facebook at the moment. In fact, he's leading that race. Alan Border, of course, former Australian captain, all in the mix. So check that out, and we'll have the number six spot up for grabs very, very shortly. So you can vote and interact and help Merv pick his best team since uh, his playing days, of course, began in the 80s. Uh, you're listening to Stumps. Great to have your company. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight for Kookaburra Cricket. If it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. Yes, welcome to Stumps and welcome to our Melbourne listeners joining us as well on the program this evening, uh, reflecting on a really difficult week for Australian cricket as we know, uh, the disastrous loss in Hobart confirming that series defeat to South Africa. Darren Parkin is my name, I'm here with Merv Hughes who we'll have a chat to in just a moment. Uh, Rodney Marsh standing down, he was already going to do that as chairman of selectors but that uh, process has been fast-tracked. Trevor Holmes, Greg Chappell, they both uh, come on board. Shield matches everywhere, a couple of players putting their hand up and a couple of players not and also some players within the Australian side not showing the form that they would want to see at this point in time. Uh, the open line is available. It's a different number for some of you that are listening around the traps to what you might be used to. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight for Kookaburra Cricket. If it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. We are going to do now though is jump inside the South African camp because thanks to the wonderful crew at Kookaburra Cricket we've been able to get access to Dean Elgar who got the series running for South Africa with a big hundred in the first test in Perth made 141 in that match, he's been getting under the skin of the Australians a little bit and it's had a very good campaign uh, batting at the top of the order. Our colleague Julian Bayard uh, had a bit of a chat to Dean Elgar. Thanks to Hashtag Team Kookaburra. Yeah, really looking forward to the day-night test in Adelaide next week with the Kookaburra pink ball and a man who is dominating with the Kookaburra bat is the opening batsman from South Africa. A big century in the second innings in Perth, including that brilliant 250-run partnership with J.P. Dumini. Dean Elgar joins us on the show. G'day, Dean. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Julian. Hi, thanks for having me. Not a problem, mate. Firstly, congratulations on a, on a terrific series so far for the South Africans. Must be so pleasing as a group to be able to come away together and be as successful as you have been so far. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's everything we spoke about coming to the tour. Um, between you uh, coming to this tour and coming to Australia is going to be hard work. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if you look at uh, the last month, two, five weeks that we've had in Australia, it's been a very good uh, team effort. Um, I think if you look from the players filtering down through our team management, it's pretty been everything that we've asked for. But um, it uh, hasn't come uh, easy, and uh, it's been a lot of hard work. How much planning went into it? How long? How long ago were you planning from for this series? Well, we've, we had two weeks in Adelaide yep. um, that I don't think a lot of people know about, <laughs> and we uh, prepared there. And we had two two-day game warm-up games, one being a day-night game with a pink ball, uh, which was which was good value for us. Um, and and uh, we had a lot of uh, uh, individual training sessions as well, um, and that's that's just uh, on the park stuff, and obviously a lot of behind the scenes talks and uh, stuff like that, trying to get us uh, a team in a in a good space. And um, thank goodness it's it's paid off. Mm, absolutely. How how confident were you as a group coming into the series, particularly on the back of that that successful one day that one day series you had against Australia back home. No, sure. I think uh, our confidence was, was sky high. Mm. Um, I think what the one-day side did was uh, put us in a very good mental space. Um, coming to Australia, knowing that they could possibly be a fragile team, um, 
once we got CUA confidence and uh, and uh, luckily it worked in our favour that that we were able to put them under the pump first test and uh, obviously the way things worked out in Hobart is just uh, a script that's that's unwritten for us. Obviously you, you had a bit of a break since that Hobart test and uh, you got the game against uh, against Victoria at the MCG tomorrow. Have you had a bit of a chance to get a bit of downtime? Um, we have. We've had a little bit of downtime. Um, there hasn't been a hell of a lot of downtime. We've, we've yeah. got our families here, which is which is quite a blessing for us, especially when we're on the when we are when you're on the road for a long time, you mm. need a bit of a distraction. So it's good to have the families in that year, um, which just uh, creates a little bit of a different energy going into the last stretch of our of our tour. Um, but yeah, we've had a little bit of downtime, not a, not a lot. Um, but we are in Melbourne now, and we start our pink ball prep. Um, uh, this evening, uh, funny enough, at the MCG. So, uh, yeah, it's back to business. And now that pink ball, you've got that this game against the the Vix at the MCG. How much experience have you had with it so far? Yeah, I've had. Um, I was fortunate enough to come here to Australia uh, with our South African A side to play the pink ball four day game against the Australian A side. So, personally, it went it went okay with uh, with a bat against the pink ball. Um, uh, but yeah, we we obviously had the Adelaide. Uh, uh, experience with a with a with a pink with a pink ball during the in the evening sessions, which was uh, a very good uh, reference point for us. So um, I think uh, in a whole, personally, I've had um, a lot more experience than um, than what I would have had if I didn't come to Australia with the A side. So uh, yeah, how, how different is it? Can you give us a, a bit of an insight into the difference as a as a top order batsman, particularly uh, when the ball is moving around a little bit? How different is it compared to the red ball? I think visually you just got to get try and get used to it and adapt as soon as possible, as quick as possible. I think that's why it's important to do your your preparations leading into uh, a two-day game or a test match or whatever the case may be. Um, you need to put your, your groundwork in uh, with regards to facing a lot of uh, pinball just so that your eyes can get used to it as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest adaption. Um, we've had one session in the twilight um Facing the pink ball, which was which was very good for us. We were fortunate enough to face our bowlers yep. through that session, which was also a good reference point for us. And uh, there was a little bit extra movement, but I mean nothing that um, nothing that, uh, that that the players couldn't really handle. Is that twilight uh, period the hardest to face in that in that time zone? Um, I think so. I think that all the talk is about that twilight zone mm. and the sun setting. Um, we, we I, I do think during the, the the game it did move around a little bit more then, but I'm not going to say it was a life changing <laughs> experience for us. Um, so yeah, um, it's just a few things that you've got to be aware of going into the test match. Uh, you've got to know when the times are dangerous, when the ball's going to move around a little bit more, um, and maybe a little bit of a strategy of when we when we declare. Yep, absolutely. You mentioned um, your your own bowlers uh, being able to face them. You must have been. Uh, so nervous as a group when Dale Stain went down in that first test, but he must be so excited with the way that uh, that Kyle Abbott was was able to perform in Hobart, particularly in the second innings. No, I mean losing Dale. Dale's a massive player, and um, his record speaks for itself. Um, losing him in a massive test series in Australia is a massive setback for us. But um, we saw it as a great opportunity. Our captain um, asked us as a group to to put our hands up now and uh, take the ball by the horns and and. In, in Perth, Cajiso Ravada stood up and he, he led the bowling attack with Vernon, who Vernon actually bowled uh, Aussies out in the first innings, mm-hmm. which was great to see him take the leadership. And then um, going into Hobart, Kyle coming in, he doesn't play a lot for South Africa, he's always on the bench <laughs> and he's always, that, uh, he's always got that great attitude. And um, I think this condition suited him to a tee. And uh, he's a very experienced cricketer. He's played a lot of professional cricket. Um, but it was great to see him uh, get some rewards. 
How was the, how were the conditions down in Hobart? It looked fairly cold, particularly I guess coming across from Perth where it was so warm. Yeah, Hobart was miserable to be honest with you. <laughs> but, but but luckily as as the as our week went on in Hobart the weather got a little bit better. Um I said the the weather there is quite un- unpredictable. Um but so be it. It's just one of those things as a player that you can't control and you just got to get used to and you've got to adapt as, as quick as possible. You mentioned yeah. um, you mentioned Faf Duplessis and playing under, under him and uh, and you talk about um, how he asked everyone to live. What's it like um, playing under him compared to uh, A.B. de Villiers? Obviously, announcement yesterday, the team saying that uh, that he would remain as captain A.B. de Villiers when he comes back. What's it, what's it like playing under Faf Duplessis and the differences that, that he brings? I think Faf, Faf is coming in uh, into the position as a standing captain and he's allowed to express himself in a different way. Um, I think obviously he's, uh, he's challenged a lot of the players, he's challenged a lot of the junior guys within the team to stand up and uh, make a play, which they've obviously done in a massive, massive way. Um, but yeah, he's a very relaxed individual. Um, but we know on the field he's quite strict and stern, which you expect from your captain. And he challenges players, which is a very good thing for the environment. Absolutely. Now, Mitch Stark has been the pick of the Australian bowlers so far. How, can you give us an insight into what it's like facing him at the top of the order, and uh, and particularly with that ball swinging around a little bit early on? How do you how do you go about um, trying to build an innings against him? Yeah, I mean he's a, he's one of those X factor kind of players. Um, yeah, where, uh, on his day he can be ruthless and he can run through a batting a batting attack. So as a, as a opener facing him up front, I think you've got to be. You've got to be aware of his strengths up front and uh, you, you need to know what he's looking to do, which ways he's trying to get you out. Um, but yeah, it's a massive challenge facing him and it's a great challenge. Something that, if I speak from a personal note, it's something that I look up to and look forward to. Um, and I'm pretty sure all our other batters feel the same way. But yeah, he's a he's an X-Factor cricketer and uh, he, what, he, what he does for the game in a, in a whole is a very exciting thing. Well, you've been sensational so far, Dean. Uh, good luck at the MCG against Victoria and good luck in Adelaide when the day-night uh, test starts with the Kookaburra Pink Ball. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the interview, Julian. Dean Elgar there, South African opening batsman, Merv, and I guess a lot of people using him as an example, not so much Cook, but a, a contrast to, to what we've seen from the Australians where he's put a high price on his wicket and usually taken a session or so to go out even if he's not scoring runs. Um, yeah, listen, it's test match cricket at its best and uh, when we spoke to Graham Yollett before, we are talking about the aggression of the Australians and uh, maybe they've just got to pick and choose when to go after just a little bit better. Uh, first day at Hobart, moved around a bit, a uh, few of the players got out to pretty big shots a long way um, from the stumps, so I suppose balls are quite easily for us to say should have been let go, but um, you know, there's some... There's times when you attack and there's times when you've got to defend and um, Elgar is a very, very defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, even on, on flat wickets, he's really not going to take you to the cleaners where Davey Warner will, but the opposite side of the coin, as I said, if he's going to play shots and the ball's moving around, it, it leaves him open for criticism for getting out to what we, we deem rash shots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, at times uh, it can be that that balance. I mean, what, what's your thoughts before we take a break on when, when they look at Dave Warner batting at the top of the order? And one thing that does sometimes annoy me, I understand Dave Warner's an aggressive, uh, flamboyant player, but when he was dismissed in that first innings in the first over, uh, caught behind for one, slashing at one outside off stump, everyone said that's the way Dave Warner plays. Does that sort of wash with you if you were a selector or a coach? Or would you say, yeah, that may well be the way you play, but we're 1-0 down in the series. We've lost the toss. It's a green pitch. It's over and they're bowling well. That's not how you play today. Yeah, the 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 argument to that was the 
first ball in the second innings was a similar ball, and he pumped it through the, yeah, true. the covers for four. So live by the yeah, sword. You yeah. can't, yeah, live by yeah. the sword, die by the sword, and yeah. that's, that's on Davey Warner. Yeah. But I, I reckon that um, Davey Warner's a better player than that, and he'll learn from it without doubt um, in the fact that uh, the next test match, I reckon in the first innings, um, when the ball's maybe bouncing a little bit more and, and doing a little bit more, um, he may be a little bit more circumspect. And, and that's what all players do. They learn from their mistakes and they get better. And if you don't learn from your mistakes, you don't get better. And certainly Davey Warner over the last five or six years has improved a hell of a lot. It has. Uh, we'll get to a break. We'll discuss a few more of those issues. Still to come, Sam Ferris uh, will from Cricket Australia is at the Victoria New South Wales game, drawing towards stumps there. The Vicks are declaring and putting uh, New South Wales back in. They declared in both innings, just like Queensland have done, and they did claim an early scalp, that of Dave Warner, Tremaine getting through him. So New South Wales are chasing 391 for victory, and uh, as it stands at the moment, are 1 for 39 at stumps on day three. Nathan Lyon, the night watchman, is on two. Hughes is on 17 and as we said Warner bowled by Tremaine for 20 so Victoria in the box seat still a bit of batting in that uh, New South Wales team although uh, Steve Smith goes uh, out of that lineup now Patterson, Maddinson, Henriques, Neville, Stephen O'Keefe uh, even Copeland can can bat a little bit uh, Smith actually still uh, in that lineup they had uh, there were plans to perhaps uh, rest him but I'm glad they've decided not to do that uh, Queensland and South Australia as we approach stumps it's uh, obviously an hour behind up there so a bit more time left in the day. South Australia are 2 for 54 chasing 446 Callum Ferguson unfortunately dismissed for 4 in each innings and Joe Burns making 1 and 4 so not enough out of them and Western Australia uh, Dash, fight, yep. Dash can I, before you give the scores I'll, mm-hmm. I'll butt in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there won't be too much time to play in Queensland because they start an hour earlier and finish at 5 o'clock their time. Oh there you go. So it's still still playing though so they haven't called yep. stumps yet yep. so, um, yeah, They might have overs to bowl Yeah they might have overs to bowl so it's uh, still, still going. Uh, Western yep. Australia versus Tasmania that's obviously definitely got plenty of time to play. We've just started the final session at Perth. And WA fighting back. They were in trouble in their second innings at 4 for 61. They're now 4 for 148 and have just gone past Tasmania. So they lead by eight runs with six wickets in hand. Uh, Whiteman, who made 53 in the first innings, is 70 not out and going well. And Wells, the former Tasmanian, uh, now 44 not out for WA at the top of the order. No Adam Voges, of course, in that match. Ashton Turner unable to back up his 100 in the first innings, dismissed for eight in the second. And Cam Bancroft was another guy who's been somewhat in the mix. He made 2-11. and 11. So, again, just those guys that have been spoken about in test selection, Merv, not quite putting their hand up, with the exception of Pete Hanscom, who made a big double hundred. Well, Pete Hanscom, Renshaw's got runs at yeah, the time from Queensland. Cameron White um, keeps making runs. Cameron White, uh, Travis Dean. But oh, of that one... Um, who did you say was making runs from Tasmania that went to Perth? I've, I've gone Wells. Wells, yep. Of of Wells, did he bat in the first inning? Uh, we'll have a look at that. So I reckon I reckon he's replaced. Yeah, no, he did. He made four uh, in the first inning. Okay. So doesn't so look I'm at this. It, it doesn't look at this stage like there's a replacement. Perhaps there is, but I'm trying to find one in the lineup, and doesn't appear this way based on the lineup. The top six in the order has batted in the same order as it did uh, first time around. So, well, obviously with Whiteman coming up to six in place of Voges having batted at seven. Yeah. So, uh, Whiteman, he's another one. He's been just before we take a break, a highly touted keeper batsman for a little while. Uh, obviously, there's been others. I think Bancroft can even keep wicket at times. But Whiteman, their prime wicket keeper, and he's 78 not out, made a half century in the first innings. Not a bad time for keepers to make runs either. Um, good time for keepers to run to make runs. And a couple of years ago, he was in the Australian A side. Yeah. So 
Obviously, the selectors were, were looking at him there, but yeah, of Neville, um, fantastic keeper. Um, you think Matthew Wade, uh, may be a chance in there, uh, Whiteman also, um, you know, so, yeah, it, like I said, it's going to be interesting to, to see what the selectors do and just wait to, to hear this side for the third test. It will. We'll have a bit more of a chat about that next. You're listening to Stumps. A couple more Shield games to wrap as well. Cool pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. It is Stumps, Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes, 53 tests, 212 wickets for Australia and still remains inside the top dozen Australian wicket takers at test level and as we not said, for long. Not, not for long, although Peter, Siddle's, uh, <laughs> Peter Siddle might not catch you, I know you one one ahead oh, of him, so I think you've reminded him of that, about the, uh, the vegan banana eating he's, non-beer he's drinker. Not. He's not a vegan. He's a vegetarian. Vegetarian. So not quite. There's, there's, that's it. It's one non, step short. So. Non, non-drinking vegetarian. I've got my concerns about him. But listen, I've Peter Siddle on a serious note. Mm. He's, he's been fantastic for Australia over a long period of time. Um, and he just gets the job done. And the thing I love about Pete Siddle is... Um, whether he gets none for 50 or whether he gets six for 30, you, you know you've got 100% out of him. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that spell against South Africa uh, last time they toured here. I think he bowled about 26 overs in a row on the, uh, yeah, on the yeah, last day. And, and that was a real back-breaking uh, display. And unfortunately for him, it is a back issue that is plaguing him. Before we have a chat about the international matches, there are a couple of test matches, one of them relevant to Australia because it involves Pakistan, who are coming here soon. But uh, your greatest uh, test 11, we're running that on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Stumps, your greatest test 11 in your time in the game since the 80s. And we just put up the number five, and it has been revealed, of course, that your number five is uh, Alan Border. So you've got Matthew Hayden and Mark Taylor opening the batting, beating out, obviously, the likes of uh, Justin Langer and these sorts of players. Ricky Ponting nudging out yes. uh, David Boone and co. And uh, oh, Michael and Clark. The controversial, that was a tough one. Yeah, the, t- the interesting Gee, Michael weird. Clark in there at four over Chapel and, and the co was interesting. But on this yep. decision... Uh, yeah, but yeah. have a look at it. It's mm. from the 80s. Fair call. Chap- it was from seventy. Play the 80s. He played till eighty four, but he what not at his well, best. Yeah, if he played, yeah, but he had four years. Yeah, so if it was from nineteen seventy, then obviously he wins yeah. that. So that that's valid. But a yeah, lot of people, you. and I, I agree with your call on the next player at number five. But on Facebook, uh, it went absolutely mental for Mike Hussey. So he had number five, which was Alan Border, Mike Hussey, Kim Hughes, or other people could nominate someone else for that yes. position. Now, and before people scream, don't say Steve War because he's in the mix for six. So he'll be in there probably. But Alan Border at five, I agree with you, but uh, Facebook went ballistic for Mike Hussey. Your, I guess your rationale for, for AB over, over Huss? Um, my rationale for AB over Huss? Listen, very, very similar players, very mm. dependable. Um, when when you pick a, a side and there's one position there for it, um, you could have gone, I could have gone either way. I could have picked Kim Hughes, I could have picked two or three others, but I suppose I'm influenced a, a little bit by the fact that I played a lot of cricket with Alan Border. Yeah. Um, he led the way, um, like Hussey, uh, tough, uncompromising, uh, got good runs. But when you, when you stack Borders' figures up against yeah. Hussey's figures, um, I think we can go. But don't, don't get me wrong. Listen, Hussey's a fantastic player. And mm-hmm. if Alan Border was injured, he'd probably be the next bloke in. So, um, you know, uh, selectors' role is, is very tough. I got asked to pick mm. my best uh, side since the 80s. So if you're out there thinking about it, 
you want to think about who I played a bit of cricket with because naturally I'm going to be a little bit biased towards them. But in saying that, I mean, Alan Border, 11,000 test runs at 50, 27 centuries, 93 tests as captain, uh, won a World Cup as captain as well, could bowl a bit too, very good fieldsman and uh, one of Australia's finest captains. I think it's it's probably difficult to go past AB. He led Australia out of the wilderness as well. He'd probably end up captaining this team. Uh, it must be said, although some good captains, you've already got Mark Taylor and Ricky Ponting in the lineup as well who have uh, led Michael. their Country, Clark. Michael Clark, all of it led their country all, with much distinction. So. All, all great captains, but probably. I'm probably biased towards Mark Taylor. I, I, yeah, I thought Mark Taylor was probably mix. Australia's best captain, <laughs> but that's my, my view. But um, coming up at uh, after 7 pm, who bats at number six? And we might give you a, just a couple of those contenders if you want to get your uh, your brains thinking. We have Steve War, we have Damian Martin, we have Andrew Simons, and we have other, which means you can nominate someone else who's batted at number six for Australia along the way, too. So let us know your thoughts on that one. Who, It'll be who do you reckon, Dave? Oh, that tugger easily. Steve Wall smashed that. Oh, and, and so. plus what I just said, the, mm. the players that yeah. I played with, are, yeah. uh, naturally I'm going to be a little bit more biased towards. So, mm. you know, David Byrne, you racked your brain. Listen, David Byrne was a fantastic player, but um, it's interesting that not too many players mm. or not too many people on the internet went for him, on social media went for him, um, and, and not Ricky Ponting. But uh, listen, Ricky Ponting for Australia was absolutely outstanding, mm-hmm. uh, as was David Byrne. But I'll just say that Ricky was just a little bit more outstanding. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you'd, you'd have Ricky Ponting as in Australia's... Most people would say he's in Australia's top two batsmen since Bradman uh, with uh, with Greg Chappell. So hard to argue with uh, his presence in that lineup. A couple of... So tests. what, what are you, you're just criticising him now for not picking Greg Chappell, are you? No, no, no. I'm not criticising. I'm just saying that uh, okay. if you were talking about... If you were talking <laughs> yeah. about in your lifetime, then yes. I think Greg Chappell's in the side. But yes. If you're talking about your career, I, I totally understand. Yeah. But um, yeah, no no questions about uh, about Punter in that, uh, in that lineup yeah. uh, as it stands at the moment. Uh, ben Stokes has just been dismissed for 70. LBW Ravi Ooh. Ashwin, who's picked up his third wicket. England 7 for 225 in reply to India's uh, 455 all and, out. And let it be known too that England were, were 6 for 190. Stokes was on 55. Rudin mm-hmm. made 53. Bairstow made 53. So there's not a whole lot of contribution from anyone else. And uh, Ben Stokes, um, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in England, whether it's in India, um, he's He's proving to be uh, He's a, a tough fine competitor. Yeah. He's a uh, very, very good competitor. Now, India, yep. uh, 455. Kohli, 167. Uh, Pajara, 119. Um, Anderson, 3 for 62. So good to see him back in the, the side. He's been out injured. Yeah. And um, currently, as you said, England, 6 for 244 uh, with Stokes, just now, out for yeah, now, seven. Se- now seven for so they're um they're just trying to avoid the follow on whether India enforces it in the conditions given it's day three I sense either way India bats oh, again if the rain yes. if the rain stays yeah. away so and the other test match before we take a break uh, looks like New Zealand will beat Pakistan Pakistan well, is, yeah oh, I don't know stumps day three seven for sixty runs ahead in a low scoring game and I suppose. Um, that's that's what um, New Zealand have got on their side. It's only into day four. There's a there's a lot of time left, but um, seven down for 129. If they can get their way to maybe 150 in front, it could be interesting. But um, Pakistan 133 um, and New Zealand all out 200. Uh, Grand home six for 41 for New Zealand. Whoever that is, N- never heard of him. Yeah. yeah, so he must be a medium pace bowler because you would thought in a score of 133, a spinner wouldn't <laughs> do 
Uh, so so he's, he's a medium pacer and an all-rounder. That's so very New Zealand. He, uh, yeah, I think he made yeah. 36 for the bats. Uh, the Kiwis well, have had a, well. The Kiwis have got Revol- a production, the production line of medium pace uh, bowling all-rounders. Well, Raval got 55. I hadn't heard mm. of him either. Um, Robert Rad Harley got four for 62. Mm. Amir, three for 43 in pretty good form. Pakistan, seven for 129 at stumps. And... Uh, Bolt has got three for 19, so they're 60 runs ahead, three wickets in hand. Yes, they're in trouble, but you never know. I think they've got a recognised batsman at the crease too. I, mean, I think it's Azar Ali, so they might be able to build something around him. He'd want to make yeah. 150 not. Yeah, he's the guy who's got to uh, do, a, do an Ian Botham 81 Ashes yes. on them if they're going to get the job done. They're coming out here, uh, Pakistan, so uh, finding the conditions difficult. They were beaten at home by the West Indies too, so they're not, they're not arriving in, uh, in tremendous touch, Pakistan. Uh, plenty more to come on Stumps. A couple of Shield games still to wrap as well. Sam Ferris from Cricket Australia, Jack Crawshaw from Sport FM in WA. To discuss that, uh, players in the mix for Australia because there will be changes for Thursday. We'll have a chat about that. And head to facebook.com forward slash stumps to vote on Merv's Greatest Test 11. Yes, uh, welcome back uh, on 11.16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. It is Stumps talking all things cricket. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. No test matches to discuss. I think last time we were on air, Australia was losing wickets at a rapid rate of knots uh, last week. And we had uh, Hoggy in the chair. We've replaced him with our main strike bowler in Merv Hughes, who's... Uh, operating uh, beautifully. We're in about five minutes. We'll catch up with Jack Crawshaw, who's um, just got some commitments at Sport FM. He'll have a chat to us about Western Australia, Tasmania, where it's T in that game. And WA have hit back hard. They're four for 44, in actual fact. Now they're four for 156. So they lead by 16, Merv, with six wickets in hand. Whiteman, 78, not out. And, and Wells, 44, not out. Before we pull it apart with Jack, they've given themselves a, uh, a chance all of a sudden. Um, well, they have. They've gone from four for 77, where it looked like they're in a huge amount of trouble. So it's been a, a fantastic partnership between Wells and Whiteman. And if they can continue, it's T um, at the wacker now. So if they can continue uh, deep into this session and maybe even bat the session without losing a wicket, um, coming into the last day, that, that would put Western Australia in a in a pretty good position. But you'd still think that um, Tassie would get across the line there. Maxi Klinger made five and a duck. Do you think there was any conceivable way that had even with I mean Greg Chappell coming in and he's had a tendency to pick a lot of younger players but given his reputation had he made 100 in each innings or, or made a, a double time was he anywhere near the mix still or was that yeah. uh, that paper stamped no no I, I reckon he could well be um, with uh, Voges out injured they mm. might look for that experienced and someone of, of more sound mind and someone that's a, a little bit um, not as aggressive I suppose a little bit more subdued mm. um, so Cameron White I wouldn't rule Cameron White out and I wouldn't wouldn't have ruled uh, Klinger out, but it's interesting. Everyone says it's not fair to put pressure on blokes like Klinger, um, like um, Head, like Ferguson, like Burns, uh, because knowing they have to perform in this game, uh, possibly to get a test match, it's too much pressure for them. Well, how much how much pressure are they under at test level? If they can't handle the pressure of yeah. performing to get in, how are they going to handle the pressure at test level? So I think it was a, it was a good weekend um, to sort out um, who who was a, a possible chance and, and who's really put the hand up and um, certainly Kawaja has shown that he should retain his spot. Um, you'd think Smith and Warner, although they, they haven't performed 
greatly for New South Wales. I, I don't think their position was in doubt, um, but um, certainly of Hanscom, um, of you know, Renshaw's put his hand up, Travis Dean's put his hand up, um, and uh, like I said, Cameron White, um, he had an outstanding um, Matador Cup, so the one-day series, he, he's made runs constantly, so without Voges there, they may look at that senior head to go back in and, and just control that middle order, so he wouldn't be without a chance, Cameron White. For South Australia, uh, one guy somewhat worth mentioning, he's only played six Shield games, but averaging 50 with the bat is uh, Jake Weatherall, he's 22 years of age, he made 100 in the last Shield game, so did Jake Lehman, he only made eight in the first innings, but he's 33 not out in the second, with South Australia two for 70, digging in late in the day, so if he was to get some runs, he's only young, but he's, I think he's 350s in a ton from uh, from seven or eight innings at Shield level, and averaging 50, so he's uh, making the right noises, but again, that would be pretty early. Um, yeah, really early. We spoke to Ben Dorries early about Renshaw, who's, mm. who's played a dozen games. He's made 100 and he's made 50 in this this um, game. And the, the question then is, if you pick one of those guys, is he going to be better than Joe Burns? Um, so it's it's a tough one for the selectors to short, sort out, um, and, and that's why they'll be scrutinising over these... Um, uh, over these games, the three shield matches that we got going at the moment. So, uh, listen, don't envy their job. They're under under the pump a little bit, but uh, obviously, you don't pick players to to perform badly. Um, and you know, in in Hobart, doesn't matter where where or what level you play. If you get bowled out for eighty on in your first innings mm. in a four day game, you, you're going to be a long way behind. And Australia certainly were that. Before we speak to Jack Rawshaw, what did you think of this tweet from Dale Stain? I know you're you're on Twitter, but you're not necessarily across the uh, the Twitterverse too much. Dale Stain tweeted this, which is clearly about Australia. He said, "Beaten with the bat, beaten with the ball." Beaten in the field, mentally stronger. Here's an idea. Let's blame it on a lollipop. Hashtag soft. Obviously in reference to Faf Duplessis' um, ball tampering charge. Well, I would say if he's putting out a um, tweet as strong as that, he would have no hesitation in saying that um, Faf has done nothing wrong. Uh, because if it comes back that, that shows mm-hmm. that Faf has done something wrong, um, Dale Stane will look like a bit of a goose. But uh, listen, having, having known as... Uh, Faf, as as I do, and, and I don't say I know him well, but he played with the Renegades. Um, he's he's to me very respectful of the game. He, he's an honest bloke, um, and he's got strong integrity. So I, I would be surprised if he was doing anything ro- wrong. But having a look at some photos and, and the video image that comes up, you look at it and think that doesn't look quite right. But having said that, a lot of players use saliva to work on the ball. A lot of use, yeah. a lot of boys use the perspiration. So you, you get moisture from wherever you can. Now, if he's got mints in his mouth when he's doing it, um, that's a real problem. If you've got chewing gum. Fair enough, because chewing gum sort of dries your saliva. It doesn't uh, assassinate it. But um, if he's got um, mints in his mouth while he's doing it, then he, he's got something to answer for. So we've just got to wait and, um, you know, uh, find out what the hearing says. But uh, certainly a strong statement from Dale Stain saying that he's done nothing wrong. Yeah, um it all stems back, like a lot of things in cricket, back to that 05 Ashes series. Is it Marcus Treskothic who spoke about using lozenges or something to uh, generate that reverse swing that would uh, England obviously well, use to tear Australia apart? 
Well, he wrote wrote it in his book, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Um, so. so, gee, re- re- retrospectively, we should go back and take those ashes from them. Um, that, that's a disgrace that someone <laughs> would do that. And I, I reckon that the, the biggest ball tampering I, that I've seen in the past was um, Afridi uh, playing in Pakistan. He bit it, India, didn't he? I think it was. He was standing in the middle of the ground, and you could see him just like he thought the, like the it was ball an apple. was a, an apple. Yeah. And he was just munching into it, <laughs> and then couldn't understand why he got done for ball tampering. But um, certainly for, for the sake of cricket, and for the sake of this series, I think um, that South Africa obviously have been the, the better side. So I'd hate to think that um, Faf was doing anything wrong with that ball. Jack Crawshaw is with us over in the West uh, discussing WA Tasmania. Jack, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, hello, Dash. Merv, good to chat to you again, boys. Yeah, hello. You just needed a stick. You just needed a stick and it would have been like a toffee apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you're, you've got no doubt in your mind what he was doing now. Jack, yeah. we'll move away from that. Um, what's, what's happening at the Wacker? There's been a bit of a fight. Well, there's been a huge fight back in each innings from the, the WA boys. Um, Whiteman and Turner in the first innings. Now Whiteman and Wells, and it's given yep. West Australia some hope. Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, game summary, so WA 2 in their first innings. Tasmania 402, largely thanks to a, a double century from Alex Doolan. Uh, and then WA now four for 158 just after T uh, on the third day's play. So not out Sam Whiteman. He's 78 back-to-back half centuries for Sam Whiteman. Looked really good in the first innings, and he has again in the second innings. Um, best um, form he's been in this year so far. Didn't make a lot of runs in the first couple of Sheffield Shield games. But, yeah, 14 boundaries in his knock. And, and Jonathan Wells, a real gutsy innings from him. He's 46 from 138 balls, uh, five boundaries. Uh, in that knock so far, the strike rate of 33. So he's really dug in. I mean, uh, early losses of Bancroft for 11. Michael Klinger was out for a duck. He's failed in both innings, unfortunately, Michael Klinger. Uh, Cartwright as well. And Ashton Turner couldn't back up from his um, first innings century. He was out for eight a short time ago. So they're effectively five down, obviously. It doesn't look like Adam Voters will, will bat. Uh, so they're effectively five down for 158. They lead by 18 runs. Jack, when I thought Cricket Australia brought in that concussion rule um, for for cricket this year, is that going to be brought in next year? What what's happened with that? Because I was under the impression that it was um, brought in to be effective immediately. Yeah, well, that, uh, are you talking about the replacement, Merv? Is that yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was for the one day domestic competition, but it wasn't brought in for Sheffield Shield cricket. Okay. Um, so so therefore um, they couldn't replace Adam Voges. Um, I read something today that. Is a doctor's certificate proved that he was okay? He could bat the second innings, but he was ruled out a couple of days ago when it happened that he wouldn't play any further part in the match. So I'd be surprised if he did come out and bat in the second innings, um, Adam Voges. But it was a nasty hit, though. Yep. It would, yeah, it looked nasty on the TV. Now, I've got uh, two blokes I want to ask you about. Um, yep. With the Australian Waves, with the bat, Alex Doolan making 202. How did he look? And it's not inconceivable that the Australian selectors may go back to him. Yeah, very much so. I mean, 202. He took a knock to the head yesterday as well, uh, and he didn't come out and bat again today. Uh, Tasmania said he had a delayed concussion from a, a knock that he took to the helmet as well late yesterday afternoon. So he finished with 202, 33 falls and a couple of sixes, and just looked really good. I mean, he looked a class above the rest yesterday, Alex Dorman. And, and it probably works in his favour that he has been there and done it before, I would have thought, Merv, um, considering he's been able to... To acquit himself early uh, doors in, in his test match career before he sort of hit that form slump and found himself out of the side. So um, it's quite quite a potential that... I mean, I like Usman Kawaja opening the batting with David Water and perhaps Alex Dolan could, could bat at number three um, for Australia in the next test match. But um, no, he looked a class above the rest, um, certainly... 
um, in the in the time that we saw him back yesterday, Alex Dolan, very much so. Now, Joe Mooney got a, a game last week. He got uh, one wicket. Um, wasn't out of his depth, but you wouldn't say he made a huge impact. They're talking about yep. uh, Chad Sayers in South Australia, but Berendorf keeps taking wickets, five for 80. How did he yep. look? Yeah, good. Jason Berendorf, very good. I mean, him and Jackson Bird have probably been the pick of the bowlers. I mean, um, Jason Berendorf, he's just got that little bit of difference, obviously, with the left arm variety as well. Um, so that's... That's good, and he's been consistent too. Over apart from an injury layoff that he had, I mean, whether it's white ball cricket, red ball cricket, he's been very consistent. Jason Berendorf over a period of time, so I hope that he does get an opportunity because um, he, he's just got that supreme talent. And I think Jackson Bird's the other one they should look at just from on this game. I mean, he just threw down, threw down a handkerchief, and that's where he landed the ball uh, just consistently over periods and periods and periods of time in the first and in the second innings. So. Um, I, know, I did see him having a good chat with Trevor Holmes yesterday. Whether you can read much into that, I'm not sure. But, but certainly, Jackson Bird, pink ball, it'll swing a bit. And we know that he can swing a ball, Jackson Bird. So I reckon he could be another one that comes into consideration. Well, if, if we're talking about Jackson Bird, obviously we've got to go ask him how he went with the bat because uh, that's, yeah. that's the reason he wasn't selected in that first uh, couple of test matches. Yeah, very. <laughs> 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 no, sorry, you don't need to answer that. I'm just being a smart ass. Um, but, um, yeah. He's the night watchman, Mervyn, May 22. So that answers wow. the question. <laughs> yeah, no, he's done all right then. Um, so, obviously, uh, Whiteman and Wells hold the key here. Um, are there any bowlers, um, so it's late in the third day, are any, any bowlers troubling the batsmen more than anything else, or has it it's just been a, a tough fight? Yeah, look, Malenko and Kingston have both got a couple of wickets each, and they've looked probably the, the most dangerous in the in the second innings. Um, uh, they've they've used quite a few. Uh, they've used seven now in the second innings of Tasmania, so they are sort of searching for options to try and to break this partnership of Whiteman and Wells at the moment. Um, but yeah, Malenko and Kingston with the wickets certainly look the better of the two at the at, uh, at the moment. James Faulkner hasn't had a real big impact today. I mean, someone who could be in consideration for that all-rounder spot at some sort of stage. Has that a major impact? So that's probably a bit disappointing from a from a Tasmanian point of view. He hasn't bought a lot of overs, only six in this second innings. So, um, But, yeah, the two wicket takers so far in the second dig, Malenko and Kingston, have certainly looked dangerous. And, yeah, be, it's going to be interesting to see how the game pans out, how far WA can get themselves in front, obviously, to try and give something for Tasmania to, to chase tomorrow on the final day and what will be pretty good batting conditions. Well, you mentioned Faulkner there, and Doolan making 202. I dare say Faulkner didn't get too many runs. Um, do you think that he's capable of holding down that number six spot in the Australian side if he's going to be looked at as an all-rounder? And, and that's where I reckon he, he falls short. He's, he's a very good, handy bowler. But yep. uh, the question is, will he be able to ha- hold down that number six spot? Just 13 in the first innings. That was only made with the bat. Um, I still prefer Mitch Marsh over James Faulkner. I just think that Mitch Marsh might be a biased WA point of view, but I think Mitch Marsh is um, uh, still very good with the ball. I think he offers more with the ball than what James Faulkner does. Um, yep. And I think also that from a, if, if Mitch can just make some runs, I mean, he's picked himself up a shoulder injury, obviously not playing in this, in this particular Is it a shoulder picture. injury? I thought it was a calf injury. No, no, no. Agar's got the calf. Uh, oh, my God. How many injuries have you blokes got over there? <laughs> yeah, so two. We lost two in this game, both in the couple of days leading up uh, into this Fixture. So, so, yeah, shoulder for, for Mitch Marsh. Not sure yeah. how long he'll be out for. Um, yeah, well, that, that, was my next, yeah, that was my yeah. next question, Jack. Of of Mitch Marsh, was he left out as a precaution or was he left out because he was injured? So, no, if I he's injured, left, yeah, um, yeah yep. he's, he's going to struggle to make that, that side for Adelaide yep. too, isn't he? Yep. 
Yep, mm. very much so. Yep, yep. I think very. It's, it's, he's left out because of injury, not because of a precaution. Yeah. Jack, uh, thank you very much. I know you've got to get, jump back on air, but appreciate your time on the program. Yeah, no, no problems, boys. Anytime. And we'll catch up with Jack Cheers, on SEN tomorrow. A bit of a, a general cricketing wrap. Uh, Ansari for England at LBW to Jadasia, uh, and uh, it's England eight for two, three, four. Still a little bit short of the follow-on target. We'll get to a break. We'll wrap uh, the state of play with Victoria in command against New South Wales at Stumps on day three. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. A few minutes before we wrap things up, a reminder to our head to facebook.com forward slash stumps to check out uh, Merv's the greatest test 11 going position by position. We get the chance to vote. We've just had uh, number five, Merv, going with AB. And straight after seven, uh, we're going to be uh, asking the question, who bats at number six? So find out the contenders by jumping on there, facebook.com forward slash stumps. Uh, Merv's greatest test 11 since the 80s, when, of course, his career began. Sam Ferris joins us uh, to have a chat uh, from Cricket Australia about the Victoria and New South Wales Shield game with the Vicks declaring twice and in command. Sam, thanks for your time. No problem, guys. So New South New South Wales lose David Warner before stumps, a really significant blow for the other Vicks to take. Oh, absolutely. Chasing 391, you want the Australian vice-captain and arguably the best batsman in the country out there. But uh, with light fading and the, and the floodlights taking over, he just pulled a short ball onto his stumps off. Chris Romano bowled very, very well here at the SCG. Um, yeah, big task for the Blues on day four. But with Steve Smith and Curtis Patterson and Nick Maddinson... Still in the sheds, there's uh, plenty of batting there, so who knows? Well, it's been a high-scoring game, hasn't it? Six for five, ten. Uh, New South Wales all out uh, 225 with Pat- Patterson making 55. He's in pretty good form at the moment, isn't he? Oh, he looks fantastic. Yeah, he got a, a 100 earlier on in the, in the season. Um, he's a very, very classy batsman, a tall guy. He's six foot three in the old scale. Um, just leans on the ball, times it incredibly well. I was talking to Chris Tremaine. After the match, he said he's never seen a guy who can hit the ball as hard as he does from ball one to his last ball. Um, so, yeah, he looks um, he looks a million bucks, to be honest. I think uh, yeah. if he did get a call up tomorrow, he wouldn't look out of place in the baggy green. Need, need to mention that because uh, Hanscom, of course, uh, 215, with the Australians searching for, for someone possibly to go into that 5-6 spot. Uh, Travis Dean, 134, opening the batting with the, the question mark on birds. Even Cameron White, 75, not out. The, the Vicks must have been in pretty good form day one. Well, Merv, I'm sure you'd like to see plenty of Victorians in that 11. But, uh, yes, they all did very well. Hanscom was, in particular, very good. He did get dropped on 14 and 77. Yeah. Uh, combination of Copeland and Bollinger but uh, that happens and he made the most of it that's for sure um, Cameron White batting at 7 I'd love to have Cameron White batting at 7 in any team <laughs> he's, he's fantastic he's averaging about 150 this year he's on absolute fire and he just seems to be getting better and better with age he's so good at, in a white ball tournament at the start of the summer and then he's now he's taken that form into the first class arena so he's great and Travis Dean um, Dodgy kind of open, a bit old school the way he approaches the game. But another guy that's very organised, knows his game inside out, moved his feet to the spinners, played the fast bowl very well. So again, he's just going from strength to strength. He's fourth, but fourth, first class, 100 on day one. And then he threw the bat a little bit and got 28 here um, in the second innings. Now, Sam, I've got to ask you the question. Cameron White batting at number seven. Did Victoria mm. use a night watchman in that first innings? Uh, no, they didn't. 
Mate, that's that's deep batting. I don't care. That's taking the mickey on. almost. Yeah. That that is deep batting. Now, uh, Victoria declared two for one hundred and five. Set New South Wales three ninety one. As you said, Warner out. Uh, Lion at the crease as a night watchman. Um, a little bit of, of work to do. You think for the Australian captain? Oh yeah, lots of work, uh, and he's going to do it on a pitch which is a little bit inconsistent. There's a lot of rough outside uh, at one end, at the Paddington end, and from the uh, Randwick end is a lovely little crack, which is just about, uh, just short of half volley, just outside the right-handers off stump, which claimed a couple of victims on day three. So they're going to have a big task ahead of them. The way John Holland's been bowling, there's plenty of left-handers in this Blues lineup with Patterson and Madison. Uh, Hughes are still out there. So there's going to be a lot of footmarks. Holland got a few wickets bowling into those footmarks. Today, uh, 391, uh, 351 now. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, on day four. But if this year has taught us anything, Mervyn Darren, that anything is possible. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Now, has Steve O'Keefe played in this game? Certainly did, yes. Well, now, well, I've got two weeks. Uh, sorry, go I'm, on. Sorry, um, just before you, you give a wrap on him, um, he's <laughs> pretty much seen as a, as a pink ball specialist and he's been pretty good with the pink ball in the past. Um, how was his performance and could it warrant selection for the Adelaide Test match? Well, he's only played that one pink ball game, but he got about a dozen wickets in it. So uh, we talked, talked to him about it the other day and he reckons that his advantage back then was the, the pink ball in its first iteration had a white seam. So it was very difficult to, to pick up the revs and which way the ball was spinning, which for socks not a big deal because he doesn't really spin them. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> his stock ball is the one that slides on and the one that turns is the variation. Uh, he took one wicket uh, in the first innings in that 510 by the Vicks uh, and he took two wickets. I guess the, the Vicks were kind of pushing the run rate a little bit in the second inning, so he came, he got two wickets there, the only two wickets to four. Uh, I could definitely see him playing in that, in that Adelaide Test match. Uh, let's not forget, he was the, he's the second spinner in the country. If he, didn't, um, if he didn't get injured in Sri Lanka, I'm sure he would have played all those games and put pressure on Nathan Lyon at the start of the summer. Well, that, that series turned on its head when uh, Steve O'Keefe went mm. down and uh, yep. you, you virtually um, picked the bloke I was going to ask about next. Nathan Lyon has been under a little bit of pressure for, for not being able to take wickets. How was his performance this game? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's just a bit deflated, Nathan. He's uh, he's had a tough time batting against a good team, uh, bowling against a good team in South Africa on wickets that probably haven't suited him. Then he's come out here and faced the Red Hot Victorian batting lineup. I think it's something like 97 first class overs he's gone now without taking a wicket, which uh, is not great. And there's been a few chances in there as well. So when luck's against you, it sort of goes against you. And then and to cap it all off, he came out as night watch night watchman tonight. And he copped a couple of blows on the body, one on the left arm where he had to get a little bit of attention in the last over of the day. So, uh, you know what? He's the GOAT for a reason. He's taken 220-odd wickets for Australia. Uh, he's been there and done it before, and he's done very well in the Adelaide. So uh, if he does get picked and keeps his test spot, um, you know what? I don't think he'll let anyone down. Well, mate, that's what I was going to say. It'd be stiff to get dropped, but there's been a few people. I'm a huge rep for, for Nathan Lyon, and probably the thing that happened and, and what people don't understand, he goes over to Hobart, and because of the situation of the game, he's got to bowl defensively, so it's more about uh, runs per over than wickets. So he, he can't attack because, um, you know, if he gets hit and, and he loses control, he's in trouble. But the, the innings over there that he bowled, he bowled 17 overs for 57, and while he's not getting wickets, he's not getting hit. So he, he's still a, still a bloody useful bowler. And I, I, I keep getting amazed that people call for his head every time selection issues come up. 
Yeah, and I think with him, with only having the four specialist bowlers, it was a bit tough on him because he probably did have to play that containing role at the quicks attack down there with the, with the wicket a little bit green and the ball doing a little bit. That was his kind of role, wasn't it? Just to try and tie up an end um, and let the, let the seamers attack from the other from the other end. So he's, um, yeah, I think he does get treated a little bit harshly in the media. Yeah, like you said, you don't take 200 wickets and become a bad bowler overnight. So if he's, uh, if he's picked and retains his spot, I'm sure he'll um, do Steve Smith and Darren Lehman and all of Australia very proud. Sam, uh, thank you very much for uh, wrapping uh, proceedings yeah, for thanks, us. Sam. We look forward to chatting to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Catch you guys. Hopefully thanks, full Sam. points for the Vicks uh, in that contest. Uh, move, thank you as well. Coming up after uh, seven, Steve Darren, Waugh, Andrew Simons, again. Damien Martin. I get three votes. Do you think uh, Steve Waugh is going to get three votes in your uh, poll oh, after seven? I pretty well know he will. Yeah, I was just going to say, you got a bit of inside keep, word on that, quiet, but do you, think, quiet, do you think the public would uh, would concur, surely? Yeah, oh, surely. Surely they would. Yeah. Uh, England 8 for 251, closing in on the follow-on mark. But Merv, thank you. We'll uh, catch up with no you again worries, next Dave. week. Merv Hughes joining us for Stumps, uh, and Australia will be three days in, if they last that long, in the uh, third test match against uh, South Africa at the Adelaide Oval. Day-night test last year was... Uh, Quite a low-scoring affair, so we might see the bowlers dominate once more. But this is Stumps uh, coming up. Bernie Vince after the 7 o'clock news will uh, hear from the D-Star. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.